Hey folks, Andy Patton here. The Zags took care of business against the Lions of LMU on Thursday evening, winning 89-55 to behind a monster night from Chet Holmgren. I'm going to recap all the fun from the kennel before a quick preview of the Portland Pilots ahead of this weekend's game, all right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to take you through another season of Gonzaga Hoops. I want to thank all of you who make this podcast your first listen of the day and remind you all that we are on YouTube. You can check it out at youtube.com, search Locked on Zags. Front page is all brand new, redone with different playlists for you all to find the guest stars and Mailbag Monday questions and all of that fun stuff. Go to YouTube now, hit that subscribe button. It's one of the fastest growing YouTube channels on the Locked on Podcast Network. All right, the Zags. Took care of business against LMU on Thursday night. Not a huge surprise that they got the victory. It was a slow start for them. I got a mailbag question earlier this week about how Gonzaga has seemed to be starting out slow. And I kind of talked about how part of that may have been game planning for some of the better teams in the WCC. Not sure as much that this was the case here. LMU was really physical and aggressive on the boards early. At one point, I believe, had a 16-5 to rebounding advantage, which was a huge problem for Gonzaga. They got things corrected. Chet Holmgren finished with nine rebounds. He didn't get his first rebound until, I think, the three-minute mark in the first half. So clearly, they made some adjustments, figured out ways to make sure that they got more rebounds and kind of took this team where they should. So that was that was nice to see. Um, this was one of the most efficient scoring nights for the Zags on the season, which is a little bit surprising. They did not top 100 points. They did not top 110 points, only finished with 89 points, but still shot just under 62% from the field, over 50% from three, which we'll talk about more in the second segment, and 75% from the free throw line. The main culprit here in this game was Chet Holmgren, another monstrous performance from the superstar freshman. He's really come into his own these last couple of games, taken on a much bigger role in the offense. He is scoring from everywhere on the court. His defense remains as elite as it has been all season long. Finished this game with 21 points, 9 boards, and 3 blocks. 21 points on 7 of 8 shooting. You can pretty much can't be more efficient than that. A remarkable night from Holmgren. He seems so quiet, and yet all of a sudden you realize that he finishes with a monster night like that. 7 for 8 from the field, 3 for 3 from downtown, 4 of 5 from the free throw line. He had alley-oops early in the game. He had huge clutch threes. He had a three from the corner, something we've been wanting to see a little bit more from him. He's been very good at hitting threes at the top of the key, but it's nice to see him extend to hitting threes on the wing or threes all the way down in the corner. Of course, he was a menace on defense as we expected him to be. Eli Scott worked really, really hard to establish great position, backed him down, turned, made a pump fake, got a lay-in off, and Chet Holmgren just swatted it right off of him and out of bounds. Just the kind of stuff that is is impossible to really defend. How can you... How can you score on a guy who has that long of arms, that good of patience to not leave his feet, to not commit fouls, and to still block the shot? And then he comes down the court, crosses you up, gets an and one bucket, or comes down the court and hits a, hits a three from the top of the key that is basically unstoppable. He's just, he's the type of player that 
that any team could add to their roster and would be instantly better. There's no way that Chet Holmgren isn't an immediate upgrade just because of the the variety of skills that he has. He has completely changed the dynamic of this Gonzaga team from last year's team to this year's team. We talked about that a little bit earlier in the week about how Chet Holmgren's presence is such a difference from anything that they had on last year's roster and helps curb any of this team's current flaws. Now, some of this team's current flaws have not been showing up. The two biggest flaws that we've talked about with this team throughout the year have been turnovers and three-point shooting. Again, we'll talk about the three-point shooting, but as I alluded to, they shot 52%. Clearly was not a problem in this game. The turnovers has been a huge upgrade for this team. Gonzaga's four core guards of Andrew Nembhard, Rasir Bolton, Hunter Salas, and Nolan Hickman combined for 10 assists and zero, count them, zero turnovers. That is a remarkable number for these guys. I think Nembhard had five assists, Bolton had four assists, Hickman had one, and again, no turnovers for any of those guys. We're still seeing turnovers be a bit of an issue with the big men. I think Drew Timmy had four in this game, and I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about Drew Timmy in general because there's been some thought that, you know, as as Drew Timmy goes, this team goes, and for the most part, that was true last year. Certainly, if he struggled, Gonzaga often had some of their, their worst games last year, and certainly he did not play well in the national championship game against Baylor. But this is now two somewhat quiet games in a row for Timmy. Obviously, he finished with over 20 points against San Francisco last week, so hard to call that a quiet night, although he had a very quiet, very bad first half against San Francisco. And of course, the Zags were only leading by three in that game at the time. In this game, he wasn't, he he didn't have a great second half or a great first half. He finished with just eight points, a four of seven shooting. So it's not, you know, it wasn't like in the San Francisco game where he was missing a lot of shots that he normally makes. He just wasn't taking a lot of shots in this game. He did have a pair of boards, three assists, two blocks. So it's not like he was doing nothing on the court. But he also had those four turnovers. I think for me, this game doesn't indicate anything is wrong with Drew Timmy. I'm not concerned about him going forward. But what it says is that he can take a backseat in situations where it might be necessary. uh, And the team can still function very capably without him. They struggled a little bit early on. But after that, they hit cruise control. Yes, LMU is not a tournament caliber team. They're right around 150 in Ken Palm's rating. So this is a pretty average to below average team. A team that, as we kind of talked about earlier in the week, has been disappointing in their what their preseason expectations were and kind of where they are at right now. But still nice to see Gonzaga be able to pivot quickly and say, okay, Drew, you know, is maybe not going to be a huge part of the offense tonight. Let's go to other directions. You know, Julian Strother scored in double figures in this one. Uh, Hunter Salah, or excuse me, Nolan Hickman scored in double figures in this one off the bench. Uh, he had 11 points on five of seven shooting, which was fantastic to see. Hunter Salas had a really nice night off the bench as well. Seven points, three boards, a pair of steals. He hit a wicked step back three something we have not seen from him at all this year it was great to see him working on that adding that to his arsenal Dan Dickow was talking on the broadcast about how his form has improved and you can tell that he's been working consistently to get a more consistent jump shot Uh, being able to make that kind of shot in a game is definitely something that indicates that he is feeling more confident about that outside shot so I feel good knowing that the Zags can win without Drew Timmy having a big impact. Certainly it would be nice uh, against Portland or maybe next week sometime to see Drew Timmy come back to having 20 points per game and, and having super hyper-efficient, you know, 11 for 13 from the field type of games because we know he's capable of doing those. We know he's in the running for a National Player of the Year. And uh, even though he wasn't needed in this game, scoring eight points against LMU is probably not going to help his National Player of the Year cause. So it would be nice to see him kind of get back into that rhythm. But it's also nice to know that the Zags do not need him to do so for them to still win games. 
All right, we got more Gonzaga LMU talk in the second segment, going over my five things to watch from before the game. But before we get there, let's talk about GetUpside. Hey, Zags fans, this is Andy Patton with an incredible app everyone who buys gas needs to know about called GetUpside. My listeners are earning cash back for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free GetUpside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use promo code SCORE for $0.25 per gallon or more on your first fill up. Cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free and use promo code SCORE for $0.25 per gallon or more on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to three hundred dollars a year in cash back, and there's no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code SCORE to get twenty-five cents per gallon or more cash back on your first tank. All right, segment two. Still Andy Patton here, still locked on Zags, and we're still talking Gonzaga LMU from Thursday night, CBS Sports Network, 8 p.m. tip, another one where we needed those afternoon coffees to get through the game, at least I did, but of course the Zags made it a little bit easier in the second half, feeling like we could maybe rest our eyes a little bit if we needed to. Uh, The one thing that we were watching for in this game that of course did not happen is whether Gonzaga would get back over 100 points. There was some expectation that they could potentially get back to that after not, not topping 100 points or not even topping 80 points against the San Francisco Dons last week. They did not. They got off to a really slow start in this one. Like I said, it was 7-7 to at the first media timeout. It was 10-9 to at, I think, the 13-minute mark. At that point, it was like, well, they could still do it, but it's going to be pretty tough. Uh, they ended up finishing with just 36 points in the first half. They did have 53 points in the second half, which would obviously put them on pace for over 100. But just the slow start to the game really kind of hampered their ability to do that. I don't know if it was rust because they had a longer break than normal, or if they just, you know, had a, had a rough start. Weren't expecting LMU to do some of the things that they were doing. That's fine. Winning the game by 25 points is, is certainly not something that we should be complaining about. And 89 points is still pretty dang good. Not a lot of teams get up to 89 points throughout the season, uh, but obviously Gonzaga did fall short of that 100-point mark. We will see if they can get back there against the Pilots of Portland on Saturday night. The next one, this was pretty ambitious, but LMU is averaging over 15, close to 16 turnovers per game. I thought there was a chance Gonzaga could force 20 turnovers from the Lions. Uh, in fact, LMU actually had a pretty good game <laughs> taking care of the basketball. They only had seven turnovers, or excuse me, 11 turnovers on the game, so below their season average. Uh, Eli Scott had three. Joe Quintana had zero. Pretty good for their primary ball handler who played close to 30 minutes in that game. Uh, Gonzaga did have seven steals, so seven of the 11 turnovers were steals. Uh, that means that LMU did a pretty good job of taking care of the basketball. Otherwise, not a lot of uh, forced turnovers like travels or anything like that. Um, But yeah, LMU did a pretty good job handling the basketball, pretty good job on the offensive glass. That's what kept them in the game for a while. Things that we maybe didn't expect them to do, but obviously didn't, didn't help them too much when it came to the final score. And then, of course, the third thing, this has been one of my keys to watch for every game. Uh, How does Gonzaga look beyond the arc? Really dang good is how they look beyond the arc in this game. 12 for 23 on the game. Chet Holmgren going three for three. Hunter Salas one for one, like we talked about that wicked step back three that he hit. Nolan Hickman went one for two. Julian Strother two for three. Really nice nights from all of those guys. Will Graves 
Got in on the action, hit a deep three as well, right in front of the Kennel Club. Super fun shot for him. Uh, always nice to see him bombing threes because he's really good at it. Um, Razier Bolton kind of struggled two for six. Again, uh, that's really not, that's nitpicky. 33% is not that bad. Uh, in a single game, Andrew Nembhard, same percentage, one for three for him as well. Uh, I, this team has obviously proven me wrong in the sense that they are mu- they are not a bad three-point shooting team. That is the phrase that I have used to describe this team earlier in the show, uh, and that they are not a bad three-point shooting team. Team. I'm not quite sure that they are like a consistently good three-point shooting team uh, because they have games like this and then they have games that are not like this where they go seven for 25 and shoot, you know, 31-32%. But for the most part, at least in conference play, they have proven to be a good, not a great in many times three-point shooting team. And that has been a wonderful addition to this roster, the ability to, to hit the outside shot. It frees up the bigs to have a little bit more space down low. And if they can continue to shoot really well going into March, that's going to help them tremendously on their quest to get to the national championship. Last two things were some rotational questions I had. Um, curious about Andrew Nemhard's minutes. We've seen him be ridden pretty hard throughout the season, playing well over 30 minutes per night often. I'm kind of hoping that against some of these teams where they have the ability to play him a little bit less that they do. That was the case against LMU on Thursday. Nemhard played 25 minutes in this game, which is great. Uh, that's right around where I think he should be when, when Gonzaga does not need him to play more than that. Uh, Drew Timmy was also at 25. That's about right for him. Bolton, 26. Uh, Nolan Hickman played 19, which is great. He's kind of been right around that range for most of the season, but it's nice to see him up around 20, point, uh, 20 minutes per game. And then Hunter Salas played 17, which was great. That's what we've been wanting to see. More minutes from Hunter Salas was kind of the big, the big push for Mailbag Monday this week, and honestly something that I think was talked about every episode this week was why isn't Hunter Salas playing as much? Does he deserve to be playing more minutes? He got 17 in this one. He made the most of them. Like I said, he showed off some skills that he hasn't showed off this year with the outside shooting. He's still a great cutter to the basket, a great rebounder, really good hands on defense, got a couple of steals that way. So I think we'll continue to see more of him as the season goes on, which is just great news for Gonzaga for this year, potentially for next year, and for the NCAA tournament as it allows them to play different matchups and also allows some of those guards to get a little bit more rest heading into a long tournament time. And then lastly, give some give some minutes to Ben Gregg. That was what I was hoping to see. We we did. We saw seven nice minutes from Ben Gregg. He he's still he's still pretty raw. He he had some offensive possessions where he he seems to get really sped up, got the ball and immediately looked to shoot it, didn't quite know what to do. You can tell that there's still a learning curve there, and that's okay. He's still really young. And he he's his he's a good outside shooter and he looks pretty confident there, but he's still developing as a post scorer. That's something that we haven't seen. He's got some moves, but we haven't seen him get super comfortable doing that. It took Anton Watson a couple years to get pretty comfortable with that, so I'm not super worried about it with Ben Gregg. It was nice to just see him out there. He finished with five points, hit one of his three-pointers, had a couple of boards. Uh, Caden Perry, we did get an update after the game that he is not cleared to play yet. That that was the extent of the update, so I do not know if that means he will be ready against Portland. He did have his warm-ups on before this game, so he looked potentially closer to playing, but again, was not cleared by the team doctors before this game. Maybe he will play against Portland. If not, maybe we'll see him start to get back next week. It'd be, it'd be great to get him on the floor a little bit more. Still no update on Dominic Harris either as well. He tweeted that he's been riding the bike uh, and that he's feeling better, which uh, I, t- I take player tweets with a bit of a grain of salt, but obviously... Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what the staff ends up saying, but hopefully they can get him back. My confidence about him playing this year goes down every single time he doesn't get into a game. I think by mid-February, it's pretty much going to get scrapped if he hasn't played by then. 
All right, folks, the Zags are taking on the Pilots of Portland on Saturday. So in the third segment, we're going to preview that game. But before we get there, let's talk about Built Bar. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good you'll want to eat it, unlike other protein bars which can be chalky or waxy or taste like a chemical spill. You want to eat healthy, but it just gets so boring. By now you might be thinking, this is just not worth it. Where's the chocolate? But Bill Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. In fact, here's an idea for the new year. Go to all your secret treat stashes at home, in the pantry, at the office, in the car, wherever. Throw out all of the sugary or calorie-filled treats and replace them with Bill Bars. So when you're craving a snack or a treat, you can reach for something that's healthy and tastes incredible. Even if you're not a huge fan of working out, you can at least eat something that tastes good and is good for you. Go to Bilt.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, segment three, still Andy Patton, still locked on Zags. Now we're talking Gonzaga's next game Saturday evening against the Portland Pilots. We've talked a little bit about Portland throughout the year on WCC Wednesdays, of course. The Terry Porter era is over at the Child Center in North Portland. Uh, it's a time to rejoice for Pilots fans. This was a very, very rough era. For the Pilots, they hired Terry Porter. He uh, had some, obviously had some coaching experience. He coached in the NBA with the Phoenix Suns, uh, is a Portland legend for his playing career in Portland, was still an ambassador for the Trailblazers. So I can understand why they made some of the moves that they did. I was a staff member when they initially hired Terry Porter, so I was kind of a part of that process and actually got to help interview him for that job. But the kind of expectation was, hey, he needs to bring in some people who know college sports and can really recruit and help get some talent to this program. That never really happened. Unfortunately, they did attempt to hire Mike Burns, uh, who then took a job at Boise State under coach Leon Rice right afterwards, which kind of hampered their ability to find a coach with good recruiting experience. Uh, And they just never really got a lot of high-end talent to the program. They did get both of Terry's kids, Franklin and Malcolm Porter, who played big minutes for the Pilots over their career there, despite not being all of that good, unfortunately. Uh, Terry won only a handful of games in the WCC. Now the era is over. Porter got fired after last season. Shantae Leggins, the coach at Eastern Washington, who led the led the team, led by the Tanner, the Groves brothers, Tanner Groves and his brother Jacob, into the NCAA tournament. Really tough matchup against Kansas. Leggins got the job at UP. He brought in a entirely new roster. No joke here. There is one, no zero, zero scholarship players from last year's roster still on the University of Portland's roster this year. I think there's like one walk on who stayed on the team. That is, it is a completely different team. There have been very few overhauls of this magnitude in college basketball ever. So shout out to Shantae for coming in, for bringing in some of his guys, not just Eastern transfers. They have three or four Eastern transfers on the roster, uh, but they have a couple other transfers as well, and they've played pretty well. This is a team that's 11-9 and on the year. Now, they did not have a challenging non-conference schedule. In fact, they have 11 wins on the season. Their best win, at least according to Ken Palm, is UC Davis. UC Davis is 223rd in Ken Palm. That's their best victory. So... You can understand why they're probably not a top 200 Ken Palm team. They are 243rd right now despite having a winning record because they just have not played anybody good. But 
they have two wins in the WCC. That may not seem all of that significant, but for the Portland Pilots, that's more wins than they've had in the WCC in the entire Terry Porter era. So a massive shout out to Shantae and their staff. They got wins over Pepperdine and Pacific. They beat Pacific on Thursday night, so they just secured that second win right before we're going live with this show. Huge congratulations to them. Uh, they lost Arizona State in their opener, but won their next five games. They were 5-1 and one at one point this season. Uh, wins over UC Davis, as I mentioned. Also Cal Poly, Portland State, Alcorn State. Uh, they lost to basically every good team that they've played. Uh, Oregon, San Jose State, BYU, San Diego, LMU beat them, and then Montana State defeated them as well. Looking through some of the statistical stuff, uh, one thing that jumped out at me, they're the fifth best free throw shooting team in the country. They are shooting 80.1% as a team from the free throw line. I don't think that that's going to have a significant impact on the result, but that is fascinating. 80% as a team. Gonzaga has never done that. We would remember if Gonzaga had a team that good at shooting free throws. So shout out to whatever Shantae does at practice to get this team knocking down those free throws because 80% as a team is remarkable. Portland's a pretty balanced scoring attack. They got three guys averaging between 13.9 and 14.5 points per game. Like I said, very, very balanced. All of them transfers. Chris Austin, the leader of the group, 14.5 points, 5.3 rebounds for him. He's a 6'4 guard, transfer from Fordham University. Moses Wood is their big man. He's about 6'8", 14.2 points, 6.2 rebounds for him. He came from UNLV. And then Tyler Robertson is the most notable of the Eastern Washington transfers. He's averaging 14 points, 6.4 rebounds, and 4 assists. He's a bit of their do-it-all wing player. Uh, a really talented young man. I've watched Portland a couple times this year, and he's, he's really fun to watch. Uh, and he's going he's gonna to have a big impact on this game. Again, the transfer from Eastern Washington. I... You, Gonzaga is not going to struggle to win this game. Portland is not that good. They're still probably the worst team in the conference. Certainly by Ken Palm ratings, they are. Uh, but again, they have wins over Pepperdine and Pacific, so they're at least vying for ninth or eighth place in the conference. Shantae's got his work cut out for him to get this team back to being a potential top four or five team in the WCC. But he's obviously on the right track. He's got himself a roster that he likes, a lot of his guys on this team. And hopefully we'll see him have some success at Portland because it's been a long time since there's been some success uh, at the Child Center. And it'd be nice to see that start to kind of change uh, for our other most regional team in the WCC alongside Gonzaga. All right, that is going to do it for me today. Quick one, recapping that really fun game against LMU. We'll be back with Mailbag Monday next week, talking this game, talking the Portland game, talking all sorts of other fun stuff right here on the Locked On Zags podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts, and available on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button if you have not already. Finally, now is a great time to make your second listen of the day the Locked On Bets podcast. Locked On Bets is your daily one-stop shop for all of your sports gambling needs. Locked On Bets is hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags!